0: Everyone, it is Tuesday, April nineteenth, two thousand twenty-three, and there is no future in sports media
1: <laughs> and in sports in New Orleans and in New Orleans. <laughs> Welcome to Paul and Cush, everybody. Can you it, hear me all right? Uh, I
0: think I got you. It's a uh, this is our our annual most depressing episode of the season. Uh, there is, uh, gonna be nothing to talk about for f- four months. Yeah. Uh, so welcome. We're happy to have you. We're here to bitch about the Pelicans. We'll probably bitch a little bit about the Saints, probably about the city some, and we're glad that you're along with us for the ride.
1: We're the only podcast in New Orleans. <laughs> Period. Period. But also that does this kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I just cannot believe that that Pelican season ended the way it did. We'll get into it more, obviously, as things go along. It hit me like a ton of bricks, though, th- last week, where all of a sudden I was like, you know, you're just sort of like... I was like, I know this is going to end. I just didn't expect it to end so soon. It was almost like... Remember when LL Cool J just got eaten in the middle, uh, or Samuel Jackson just got eaten in the middle of that shark movie?
1: <laughs> yeah, I do. What was the name of that movie? Uh, Great Blue Sea. Deep Blue Sea.
0: Deep Blue Sea. And Samuel Jackson is up giving an impassioned speech, and he just gets eaten by a shark, and he's out of the movie. That's how I felt about the Pelicans season, in that I did expect it to end relatively quickly. But because they won the play in the year before, I was genuinely shocked sitting in that building, like six beers deep, um, as the season just like immediately ended. I was just like blown away. And then I went on Twitter and just
1: got mad. That's what it's there for.
0: It really is what it's there for. It's the worst, isn't it? Have you been off Twitter?
1: I am a liar and a cheat. I'd say I'm off Twitter, but I just look at it on the browser on my phone. Uh-huh. It doesn't uh, it doesn't change anything regarding my time on there. It just makes it more difficult for me to look at tweets and to say things. <laughs> I'm making it more difficult on myself.
0: Yeah. That's a uh, there's really no other purpose for it than venting now. But that's a good... I think venting is okay. And posting muffalatas.
1: Yeah, you've been going on the <laughs> muffalada journey. <laughs> your uh, doctor can't be happy with your blood pressure. So much sodium. How many of these are you have? And you're having one a week? Uh, one a week. Okay. Which would be fine if it was the
0: only bad thing I ate every week. It's... But I eat crap every other meal, too. Yeah. So it's not like it's going well. But yeah, they're... Uh, I thought I'd be tired of them by the time we got to mid-April. I'm actually... They're still going pretty well. It seems to be going better
1: than the podcast. Oh, definitely. More fans. People (laughs) come up to you in the street. Hey, the Muffaletta guy. When the the chef comes out to talk to us. Is this happening? Yeah, today. The the chef came
0: out at uh, Gio's in Metairie. Talked to him for a while.
1: Like Geo Metro?
0: (laughs) G-I-O. Okay. Short for Gia Vitella. Mm. Uh, And it... You know... There's all the best part of doing this, and I encourage everyone who's listening to this show, find something that you like to eat and just go search for it at various places. Because what happens, at least what happened to me for my entire life, is I end up just going to the same 10 to 15 places all the time because you know them. They're familiar. So when you think, oh, Vietnamese, you go to your Vietnamese place. You think, oh... I want Mexican, you go to your Mexican place, et cetera, down the line. This has been the opposite where like I have to go to basically every place that sells a muffalada in order to get to 52 muffaladas in 52 weeks. So I'm going to all sorts of new places that I've never been before. And it's really expanded the boundaries of where I eat. And it's expanded my mind into essentially... 52 of the same restaurant.
1: <laughs> this is your summer abroad. This is your backpacking <laughs> across Europe. My Emily in Paris moment. <laughs> yes. Eating the same sandwich at different locales in the same city. Well, I'm glad you're getting to do it. I don't get a lunch break, so I can't <laughs> come on any of them. With Normally, I'm waiting on you when yeah. you come to the restaurant. <laughs> That's fun. Maybe I'll do something similar. Yeah. I could do it with... I don't know what's like not a muffalette is good because it's definitively New Orleans, but it's not overplayed like jambalaya or gumbo or crawfish. Yeah. I could go maybe for chicken wings. Yeah. And be killed within two weeks. (laughs) Your first stop in Melba's on Tulane. (laughs) (laughs) The tour has ended. I'm (laughs) going to be the Oregon Trail. You got dysentery and you're dead now. Whenever it's Manchu day, I'm going to be kissing my family goodbye <laughs> as I put on body armor. But, you know, it'll be worth it for the gram. No, I'm kidding. We're sponsored by Manchu. Yeah,
0: I, I, we're trying to think of, you know, what to do for, for 24. And gumbo is like the first thing I thought of. And you're right, though. It's just like a little overplayed.
1: Yeah, I think muffaletta is the right way to do it. it doesn't have to be in season. Yeah, and
0: uh, you know you get to really go everywhere. I've been to a lot of places I would never go. Some I will never go to again, probably. Uh, but it has been. It's a great way to find neighborhood restaurants. A lot of single establishment ownership restaurants, which is great. Those are people we need to keep alive in this city. This
1: should be part of the show. There was that guy, the uh John guy that like goes and does the red beans. Uh huh. He's famous now. He's on fucking cameo and stuff. Because yeah. he like went and ate red beans. Devin, he's the best, man. Can you bring can you incorporate Polk and Kush into your Muffuletta journey? Sure, of course. I just want in- <laughs> You're putting a lot of effort into this.
0: I go eat a sandwich for one hour a week. You put a lot that, of effort. And one tweet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is quite a bit of effort. You've cultivated a following through this, and I want to capitalize on it with our show. Of course. You're going out to eat without me. You don't even have a logo for this thing.
0: Oh, don't. I know. I just, I feel left behind. <laughs> you can join anytime uh but you don't get a lunch break at the rock factory i just
1: <laughs> i just want the accolades and the fans i can make a t-shirt <laughs> we'd love merch it's not gonna be one of those like you know like the gulf shores like i'm going muff diving yeah. like we're not gonna do something like that we're gonna right. keep it classic. very upscale yeah. So if you're looking for a muffalotta
0: merchandise, email pokeandcush at gmail.com. We'll look you up. Uh, no, man. I, I would just encourage anybody, if you have a food that you like, in general, just go f- try to find it at places you don't go to. Yeah. I, would, you know, I think like... Uh, anything, That's what I something do as
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Something as simple as tacos. How many fun places could you go eat tacos at? You know? A
1: lot. That's true. You know? And instead, I just end up at the same, like,
0: nine places
1: all the time. Well, maybe tonight could be the start of my taco journey. I went to a Mexican place tonight. It was Elvis night. Oh. Where they wheeled out the Crypt Keeper, <laughs> who was in an Elvis costume. And then all the blue hairs were up front, moistening their Depends. <laughs> <laughs> Listening to him howl, it, he doesn't even have a band. It's karaoke. No
0: way. Was he dressed like Fat Elvis? He
1: was. He was very skinny Elvis. Okay. This guy
0: was a hundred years old. But did he have the zoot suit with the shades and the? Yeah, okay. he was. Uh,
1: he didn't like do Elvis through the generations. He was just default sequined uh suit and i don't know where you grew up if there was one but in rustin there was a town elvis impersonator i feel like a lot, i felt like the saints have a guy i felt like every town had an elvis impersonator <laughs> but ours would like he would be elvis like at the bank <laughs> his discus too yeah <laughs> Because you can't not have Elvis hair. You either have to have it or you don't. Yeah. So he would be like, you know, riding the bus as yeah. Elvis. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, the crew. And of that guy Ro- was
1: my dad. Yeah.
0: <laughs> there's the crew of rolling Elvi. Yeah. Uh, and then there's always Elvis night at uh Kingpin that they do once a year. That's always a okay. good time. And then there's the guy at the Saints games who dresses like Saints Elvis. I, like I always that
1: thought that was more Bart guy. Yeah. <laughs>
0: With his AirPods and <laughs> yeah, uh, I, so there. I mean, this city has a lot of Elvis people, but I, I don't know. I feel like nobody even gives a shit about his music anymore. It's just like a look, yeah, and just like a thing that you can wear. I don't. It feels like the music is like kind of escape because no one is really alive anymore that was there for his ascent into like the the culture. So most people are now just basing it entirely on, like, their parents'
1: relationship with Elvis. Yeah, that's definitely how I was. Like, Elvis was on a stamp when I was a kid, and that was, like, the big Elvis thing. And Uh. then, like, Eminem was mad at Elvis for no reason. Those are the two. I don't remember that at all. He, like, rapped about Elvis several times and was upset, and then there was that terrible movie recently. Did you see it? No. I never saw it. Boz Lorman. (laughs) Never saw it. It was on h b o too well, either way, Elvis was at the Mexican restaurant tonight. How'd he do? Uh I would rate him five out of ten. What was his best cover? I have no idea you could it just sounded like he was doing Elvis sounds. <laughs> <laughs> It was like, you remember that big Frida keychain where you could press the buttons? Yeah, they
0: had one for Ray Nagin also.
1: Well, when the battery ran out, it would just kind of like make the sounds of those people. This is what the Elvis guy was doing.
0: The Mr. T in your pocket? Yeah. I
1: bet the Elvis guy is our number one fan. (laughs) And he's weeping into the dashboard of the car he lives in right now. Um. I'm doing comedy this Sunday. Come to Sports Drink. It's a social club on. Uh, it's near Dat Dog. It's on Magazine Street? It's right. Off, it's at the corner of Magazine and maybe Toledano. Okay. Somewhere around there. Sweet. Look it up Sports like Drink. Like between the Bulldog and Dat Dog? Yes. Does that sound right? Okay. And it's going to be me and Sam Talent fresh off of his first. And last appearance on the Joe Rogan Experience. <laughs>
0: Does he want to come on Polk and Kush after Joe Rogan so he can be on the most popular and the least popular podcast in the same week?
1: Yeah, they were like eating the wasp honey. They ate the Dotsura honey. Wasps make it, and it's okay. got poison in it, so it makes you a little high. Ooh. This is what you do on a three-hour podcast. We're ranting and raving about yeah. Elvis at a Mexican <laughs> restaurant. If we had two more hours, we would just be eating stuff out of my cabinets. But yeah, Sam was on there. He was very funny, despite Joe Rogan's best efforts. <laughs> and uh, he's a, he's a fantastic live show. So come out. There's a few tickets left. I think they're twenty bucks. Just Google it. Yeah, Sports Drink D
0: R N K right? Uh, like it's it's not the whole thing. I think it's spelled out the
1: whole way. They may have shortened it for social media and oh, okay. such.
0: Sports Drink
1: yeah, you'll dig it. DRNK on parlor, Grinder and Facebook. <laughs> and we'll see you there. Sunday night. Yeah, it's going to be a party. I'll be I should have advertised this at the top of the show before I'd been unfunny for 20 minutes. <laughs> I' be like, I'm not gonna go to that shit.
0: <laughs> well, you know what else you won't be going to another New Orleans Pelicans game for a few months. Uh, that's right, everyone. The Pelican season has crashed and burned and died a fiery death that we all sort of expected, but uh, did end abruptly. Uh, the play in game, the not the vaunted uh, and prestigious nine V10 play in game, which the Pelicans I believe have played it more than anyone else. They've now played it two times in a row, um, and they were uh, whipped pretty bad in the third quarter. Uh, I believe took the lead midway through the fourth. Could not hang on. Shea Gilgis, Alexander, Josh Giddy, and the very young Thunder uh, come into town, knock them off and end their season. And it was emblematic of a uh, a promising season gone
1: awry when you make it to the play-in there are two names you don't want to see giddy and dort (laughs) (laughs) those names strike fear in the hearts of players i mean they look like they both look like Giannis out there it was absurd (laughs) josh
0: giddy looks like uh timothy chalamet He's gorgeous. Is that the Dune guy? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He uh I'm just saying, man, he's a pretty man. Yeah. And he was pretty good just, you know, roughing up the Pelicans. What do you score? I think they I think both I think Dort, Giddy, and Gildas Alexander each had twenty five plus, at least twenty plus between the three of them. Uh just a disappointing Performance overall, Brandon Ingram. It it, when it got down to crunch time, you could really tell uh, there was no other option on the court basically except Brandon Ingram. Everyone in the building knew that it was on him to score, and when he didn't, that was it. And I don't blame Brandon Ingram. I mean, that's a ridiculous situation to be in. C.J. McCollum was clearly hurt at the end of the game. Uh, He basically did come out and say he's going to need surgery on his hand. And then I believe the next day uh, it was reported he also has a torn labrum. So CJ McCollum took a lot of shit this year. Uh, Deservedly so for his play. Like if you're going to just fairly judge what you see in front of you, he was bad. Like he had a bad second half of the season. But in the larger context... That dude played. He obviously cared. He obviously is invested in this team. His career, he's invested in team success. Uh, I give a lot of credit to C.J. McCollum for showing up, even though it was very hard to watch at times, particularly in that play-in
1: game. Yeah, after the fact, knowing just how injured he was, he backed up what he was saying about needing players available, playing through injuries, and just being out there and being a presence, Mm -hmm. and would the pelicans have been worse off without cj yeah they would have yeah they were worse off without a lot of players who could have been out there yeah half injured or whatever yeah that's in the past my yes. therapist tells me <laughs> i don't need to dwell on anything that could have been sure. i need to focus on what was uh-huh and what was was a roller coaster season mm-hmm. with uh A explosive ending, but not in like a fun explosive way, like a backdraft. Opening a door, and (laughs) then you blow up. (laughs) Then you get blown straight to hell. Mm -hmm. I was there, and if you were the five teenagers sitting behind (laughs) me, they had a chant for everybody on both teams. They were... I. I don't think they were intoxicated. They were too young for that. Oh, boy. They were screaming the entire time. They called Najee Marshall the Iron Man, which was pretty funny. (laughs) (laughs) They were yelling out stats for like six men on Oklahoma City. But the whole time they're screaming directly in our ear. And this is the peasant area. Yeah, The steps are three inches wide. (laughs) You're about to fall at any moment. There's no peanut guy. There's no cotton candy guy. You are alone yeah. with 3,000 degenerates up there. <laughs> and these were the most degenerate children. They were high schoolers, you think? Uh, probably. Yeah.
0: Yeah. High schoolers love attention uh, and can't drink.
1: There so was, yeah, oh, yeah. It's it was brutal. Yeah. It's a bad combo. Well, we left at halftime and I think that's really where it fell apart. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> you should have come and found me. I had a bunch of money left on a, a concessions gift card, so I just stood next to the beer stand, like you know they have that like line of beer fridges, and I was just Santa Claus just buying people <laughs> beer. <laughs> when they got down 10 points or 15 points in the third quarter, I was like, "Well, this is clearly the last game of the season." And so I just went over and tried to spend every dollar I could spend. <laughs> I sat there for like twenty minutes just buying strangers' beers. They were very excited. Oh good. People were very excited to get a free thirteen dollar
1: beer. Yeah. Was it one of the like big bank tube ones? Oh, like yeah. the bank
0: tube drive through thing. I don't know why they sell beer that size. It's crazy. It was like twenty five ounces. To drink that and for it to still be cold, you got to have a real problem.
1: Yeah, I think so. Or you're uh, planning for the drive home. Yeah, <laughs> which yeah. Well, if you're driving only in Orleans <laughs> Parish, you'll be fine. There are no DUI to speak. Of. I think everybody sobers up waiting to get out of the parking garages <laughs> after a game, or you know, cleaning the glass off their seat.
0: <laughs> uh, it is. Uh, Hard to to fully encapsulate uh, how disappointing of a season, because when you think about where this team was not that long ago, you're like, yeah, just the fact they made the play in is actually, you know, better than Dallas. Right. Like they didn't even make the frickin play in Utah, like tanked their way out of it, too. So it's like these are all teams that are sort of even with you and you're going, eh, well, you did better than them. But then if you think a little bit longer, like this was the most promising Pelican season at least since 2008-09. Un- unquestionably, when you look back to New Year's Day, where everybody thought this team was and what people thought this team was capable of, for it to has spiraled as far downward as it did and then end with such a whimper, uh... Is just really disappointing when you consider the trajectory of where you thought this thing was going. It sucks. And it is a huge step back. Even if they had won the play in and went and got beat by Denver, it still would have been a step down. But at least you could have said, like, well, you know, they kept fighting and they got there and whatever. But like, I don't think you can take away almost anything positive out of the season with the exception of. Of the development of Trey Murphy. I don't think one other positive thing happened this season.
1: Do you take any sort of uh, joy or do you respect the record this season? They had a winning record. No. And that is the
0: biggest thing that... So, the stat... They have an opportunity to end one of the most ridiculous actions. This t- this team has only had consecutive winning seasons once in its franchise history, which is outrageous. <laughs> uh, that's twenty plus years of the franchise. They've had consecutive winning seasons once, uh, which was oh eight oh nine and nine ten, and that is a joke uh, that 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 it went that badly. But the record is meaningless because it doesn't matter what your record is. What matters is what place you end up in. And they finished in the exact same place they finished in last year, despite getting off to an incredible start and being in first place. So the record, you're playing a bunch of teams. At some point, a lot of the teams they played were not trying to win. Mm -hmm. And that is clear by the standings that a lot of teams were intentionally trying to lose and lost a ton of games. Uh, so I don't I don't think the record is meaningful. I only think it m- is meaningful in a competitive landscape. You know, like, yeah. what place did you finish in? And they finished in ninth, and they didn't really deserve to finish any better than that. Uh, they lucked out down the stretch with a whole bunch of guys not playing in order to get in that place. And they had an opportunity to vault themselves up into six on the last day of the regular season. They crapped all over themselves doing that. Even as Minnesota was literally falling apart and beating the crap out <laughs> of themselves, the Pelicans made, somehow ended up worse. Uh, and and so it was a deserved end. I think it was a fitting end. Uh, I, I don't think it would have been. I don't think it would have been right if this team had finished on a really upward trajectory with everyone being. Thinking that the future was like we everything was headed in the right direction. Because I don't think everything's headed in the right direction. They obviously have major problems. Um and we'll talk about the bigger, you know, uh issue, which is Zion is the biggest issue. We'll get into that. But just generally I think I take away from the season as as a
1: a, a D, maybe a D minus. The second I saw the replay of Gobear, like Hitting that guy with the baguette. I knew the Pelicans were about to get creamed. Because yeah. <laughs> only something that absurd could happen yeah. during a game, yeah. and the Pelicans still get demolished. Yeah. That wasn't even a guy broke his hand punching a wall yeah. during the game. Two starters took themselves out of the game. And what happened? Nothing. Nothing. Exactly what you thought would happen happened. Yeah. It was almost like a that was that was the comical end of the season to me,
0: yeah, and it was uh it, it did make it made it feel that all that happened, and it was like even if they had won that play in game, i never thought they were gonna go to Minnesota and go beat that team, no, after watching that, I was like it's like how, how, what do you do that's any different uh against that team? The Pelicans were just very flawed, especially once c j McCollum was. At best, you know, sixty, fifty percent of himself. There was just not much talent there, and uh, and without Zion, they're a very, me- they're a pretty mediocre team to begin with. Without Zion and CJ, they are a, a, a bad team, and that's just
1: what it is. It was indicative of the season that in the most important game of the season, you've got Kyra Lewis who hadn't played in. 18 games out there in the first quarter. I know. Jackson Hayes, I understand. At first, I didn't realize Larry Nance Jr. was injured. I was like, what the hell is Jackson Hayes doing (laughs) out there? And he did an okay job. He did exactly as well as you would have expected. He did a
0: lot of very dumb things, but he's a dumb player and probably a dumb person. And he uh, did dumb stuff, but he also did some good basketball things. I don't think you can blame the game on Jackson Hayes by any stretch.
1: No, it was just it was just there are no surprises with the Pelicans team. Expect the absurd and you will receive it. Yeah. To see Kyra Lewis out there was mind boggling. Yeah, that was I mean, of all the times to pull out the tricks, it was like straight out of like a kid's
0: movie or something.
1: And I don't think it was We're putting in Julie the Cat
0: Gaffney at the end. <laughs>
1: she hasn't played the whole season. And like I'm I'm not disparaging Kyra Lewis. I just wish I'd seen him in against the Clippers yeah. against against the sun against games that didn't matter against games where the Pelicans were getting blown out. Yeah. Why isn't he playing then?
0: Yeah, it's it's inexplicable. Uh, and, and the general perspective of this team cannot be discussed without understanding how miserable of a week that it was to end the season. And it's not just because they lost those games; those were bad losses. Okay. Uh, they were very bad losses and ended, ended the most promising season in a long time very abruptly. But the way that the Zion situation was handled in the last week was one of the most outrageous, boneheaded, impossible flubs of communication I've ever seen uh, between a lot of people trying to after months of not really communicating with anybody, everybody tried to communicate essentially at the same time, in the same week. The messages were contradicting. Nobody really understands what's going on. And now you have people that are pissed at Zion. You have people that pissed at the team. I've never seen people that mad. The the amount of uh, tweets and texts that I got from just casual observers who were just furious with the way that the last week played out with Zion after so much promise where it felt like he was going to be able to participate in the postseason and then not only was he not able to participate but then it was like oh is it mental is it physical is it he's doing windmill dunks before the game but he's telling you he doesn't feel sad is he not physically able to play is he is he not doing the rehab is he fat It, it all just became this mishmash of communication and depending on which one you heard very few of us heard all of them depending on which one you listen to that's what your perspective ended up being and that is not
1: healthy for anybody my perspective on it is i saw a couple things and it seemed like zion was saying that he was not mentally well enough to play. Yeah. And I think that's a valid thing to say. We appreciated Zion coming forth and saying that. Then you've got Griff coming forward saying, oh no, he was never cleared to play three-on-three practice, much yeah. less play a full game. Yeah. So then... You go back to the windmill dunks on Twitter and stuff like that, and you go, is this a message? Is he not wanting to say that he's out of shape because he wants to go somewhere else? Yeah. That's when the rumors start flying. And as I said earlier with the Pelicans, if you expect the most bizarre, batshit scenario where everybody is embarrassing, no one looks like a professional, and you leave a city wanting more... Yeah. That's a Pelican season. Yeah. Because you're
0: watching those games going, if they had a 60% healthy Zion right now, they're winning. Yeah. They don't need, if they had him out there for 15 minutes a game, they're winning. So is it that Zion literally couldn't play 15 minutes a game? Or do the Pelicans have such a rigorous, stupid rehab system that it can't? Clear him to play, even when he thinks he's ready to play. What's the worst thing that's going to happen if you clear him to play and he's not ready to play? He's going to get hurt. Then what happens? He misses games. That's already happening. So in that respect, I think the Pelicans are completely wrong. I would just throw him out there and let him play. Be like, you're going to get fat? Great, go play fat. I don't care. You, you don't. I mean, you, you're. You don't. I don't think you're. You know, physically up to the condition. You're not doing the rehab. Whatever. This is your problem. You go out there and play, and if you suck, then you suck, and that's on you. Because it's not going to be worse than whoever they put out there, <coughs> Jackson Hayes. Uh, it
1: ain't going to be worse. And if, he, if there is one consistent thing in, in the messaging from everybody, it appears to be that Zion does want to play. Yes, And in Zion's position, that's, that has to be enough because there's nothing else there.
0: Exactly. So that's one side, right? Is what are the Pelicans doing? The other side is... How the hell does this guy continue to not be able to meet any benchmarks on his rehab every single time he gets hurt? How much weight is he gaining? How much, how, how much is he not participating in the rehab? What is going on that every single time he gets hurt, it takes months longer to come back than it does for anybody else? Look, I critiqued Brandon Ingram for the toe thing as much as anyone maybe more than anyone, that he should have been able to come back. He was cleared, and he wasn't coming back. But when he came back, he was there, and he played the rest of the season. And he didn't bitch about it, and he didn't, you know, go on and on about it. It was what it was. Zion was not physically ready to play when his injury healed. That is three times in four years. So the Pelicans, number one, have to change the way they're doing this completely from a medical perspective. And I don't have any idea what they're doing from a medical perspective. But what they're doing is wrong. (laughs) And the person who knew that best was Stan Van Gundy, who finally has sort of unloaded the clip on them because he was he had a lot of frustrations with the medical staff when he was there because they babied Zion and they wanted him to have to hit all these individual metrics and all these uh, goals of and, and stands like just play. Coach K said that he's not going to work out unless you play him. So you have to just let the dude play basketball and get himself back into shape on the court. And the Pelicans keep being like, "No, you have to meet all these goals in rehab." He's not going to do it. He doesn't have to do it. He has a hundred million dollars already. He's guaranteed another $100 million. He doesn't have to do anything. He does not have to listen to you. You have to bend to him. And I agree, he's being a shithead. I have no... I, I am not standing up for Zion. I'm saying this is a stupid way to approach this. If he's going to do this every time, you have to change what your, what your standards are. Because this doesn't work. Instead, you're just not playing. Ever. This is impossibly dumb to still be
1: in this situation four years later. Are these standards wavering across the league? There's no unified medical standard for what clears a player no. from team to team, other than concussions. Yeah, concussions are standardized. Everything else is is different.
0: And it would be great to have more information about what's going on because we're all sort of flying blind. But Griff only wants to only wants to. Uh, to shine light on certain things zion only wants to shine light on certain things i don't blame the pelicans communication staff whatsoever for this i have you know had my problems with every single person the pelicans organization up and down and all around and ownership (laughs) on down i'm in no way saying anything about the communication staff this is way above anything they can do this is a griff issue and a zion issue and between and the medical staff issue the three of them have got to figure it out uh, or else this is going to just end and they are never going to be able to replace the talent that Zion is with whoever they bring in. And it is very unfortunate that it's gotten to this place, but they need a fix. They need to change what they are doing. And I think Stan Van Gundy, I think, is the guy who has thrown a lot of uh, fresh air and whatever uh, disinfectant uh, on onto this situation for people to understand what's going on.
1: And you're at the point now where you see local sports media weighing the pros and cons of Zion being on the team. When you look at the numbers, you see that he is a legendary, once-in-a-generation player. But he's only that player when he plays. Yeah. So I think it feels like shopping Zion is not a forbidden thing to discuss anymore it seems to be at the forefront people seem to be having rational conversations about it i think again you go back to this curse of being new orleans yeah you're gonna trade zion or zion's gonna leave one way or the other and then he's gonna be fine yeah and then people will forget about the zion years in new orleans Yeah. And he's going to win a championship in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to call him Mr. Glass whenever he comes to town. (laughs) And he won't give a shit because he's in Space Jam 3. Why won't that happen?
0: I mean, there's no. I personally do not think it is time to trade him. I think it is time to completely rethink the way that you handle him, though. And you give it one more chance and you. Totally change the way you handle the medical staff around him. You totally change the way uh, that you just uh, you, the ball has to be more in his court. That he he's got to get cleared to play, no matter what. And if he wants to play through it, let him play through it. He's got clauses that the team put in clauses and outs and ways to get out of this contract. That he has some sort of debilitating injury that he can never play again, then whatever it's not going to be worse than what they already have. He never plays. He never plays. He's played 30 games in two years. And it's the same shit. It's all lower leg injuries that when he cannot play basketball, he gets fat and he can't get back on the court. And this is so obvious at this stage that you have to completely switch that dynamic around. If they come back with the same staff in the same mentality and the same everything it is a looming disaster and I don't know who's going to blink first because I don't think Griff feels like he's in the wrong in a lot of ways he's not because Zion has not handled it responsibly I don't think Zion thinks he's in the wrong because he thinks the Pelicans have a terrible approach to this and he so he's not totally wrong but they're all wrong everybody's wrong
1: you think we need to get everybody in a room lock the door and just let them sort it out.
0: Who's the most valuable person of the three that we're talking about? Between Griff, Zion, and the medical staff? Who's the most valuable? Zion. Okay. Who's the least valuable? Griff? I would say the medical guy. (laughs) So I would make a pretty (laughs) easy decision for me. Do what Zion wants. Well,
1: it's not like the Pelicans could be worried about their image because nobody... At this point, Zion has proven himself to be injury-prone. They're not going to... No one's going to say that the Pelicans are endangering Zion by putting him out there in any way. And that's never really been a narrative for a player getting injured anyway. It's never really been, like, the team's fault or the medical staff's fault. Yeah. No, I mean, Tua, when he had, like,
0: mega concussions and was still on the field, the Dolphins took some heat for that one. Yeah. That's about it. Otherwise, if he gets hurt again, it's not... Like, if he, want, if he thinks he can play, just let him play. And if he sucks, everyone will say he sucks. And then you can bench him because he's bad, but not because he's not hitting whatever rehab tick marks that you require. Because who cares about those things? No one cares except you. And yeah, when he came back in the bubble and he was clearly out of shape and was clearly not playing like himself... That was bad. But everyone kind of knew it. And so let's just do that. Don't have him just sitting on the bench and doing windmill dunks. This is insane.
1: Everybody's wrong. Everyone is wrong. We just want to see Zion again, and I think everybody can agree on that. I'm frustrated. We got it all out in this one. Yeah. All right. We'll be back. We'll take a quick break, and then we'll come back with our little bit of local roundup. Stick around right here. Polk and. Polk and Kush is brought to you by Crescent Canna, our favorite New Orleans cannabis company. We're huge fans of the new Crescent 9 THC seltzer. Made with 6 mg of Delta 9 THC, 3 milligrams of CBD, and a splash of caffeine, this THC seltzer provides an uplifting and euphoric psychoactive experience. Because it contains hemp-derived cannabinoids, it meets federal THC regulations and is registered with the Louisiana Department of Health. Crescent 9 THC Seltzer is completely legal, so adults in New Orleans can purchase it without a medical card or prescription. You can even enjoy it at the bar with fast acting effects that hit in 15 to 30 minutes. Sooner for me. Crescent 9 THC Seltzer makes an excellent alcohol alternative. Enjoy an elevated, intoxicating experience without any hangover. You can try it at your favorite bars and clubs across Louisiana right now, including Tipitina's, Carrollton Station, Parlay's, Antiques, 12 Mile Limit, the Broad Theater, the Friendly Bar, Big Daddy's Bar, Cajun's Pub, another bar, 504 Craft Beer Reserve, Santos, the Saint, Sydney's Saloon, Bamboulas, Fred's in Tigerland, and the list is expanding every single day. We can't have the list can't expand much longer. Folks out of breath. Man, I'm like the Micro Machines guy. It is
0: very understandable. While so many people want this in their bar, fantastic product. Who doesn't want a THC seltzer? It goes down smooth, it gets your head right, it gets your body loosey goosey. Yeah. And everybody's jiving, happy, jip jiving whale.
1: Uh, we're all doing great. And, and people were enjoying the mall festival weekend. I had a few. Uh, Bo sent us a picture of his on Twitter. Thank you, Bo. He got an MRB the, with an ostrich burger. Yeah, baby. And, uh, you know, it's a good time all around. But you must be 21 or older to purchase or consume THC products. Consult with your doctor before using any cannabis product if you have a medical condition or are taking medication. The only medication I'm taking, Canna 9 Seltzer. <laughs> Crescent 9 Seltzer.
0: <laughs> Just what Dr. Feel Good ordered. <laughs> yes, indeed. A beautiful product. Thank you to our friends at Crescent Canna for sponsoring this show. We deeply appreciate everything that they have done for us. And thank you all so much for supporting them. They are unquestionably the best in the business. If you want anything with Canna, isn't it pretty obvious that that's the place to go to? They're local, they're friends of the show, they are the best. Speaking of local, that's right, everybody. We've got a little bit of local roundup. It's
1: it is filled with juicy jazz, squalling trumpets, and tiny, tiny little quadrice. You foot past in a swamp, and that's Narlins in a nutshell, baby. <laughs> Let her hear it. Well, we've got a little bit of everything this week Uh, Celebrities, they're just like us Yes Swin Cash uh, tweeted uh, this weekend Looks like she had a little snafu with premium parking Surprise As we all have boots, uh, shattered windows A parking attendant who's passed out uh, For some reason He's got something tied around his arm Who could tell? (laughs) Premium parking is maybe the worst, like, <laughs> premium. Come on, guys. You got to change the name. Premium implies good. We, we no. live in a world of, like, subscription services. Premium means good. Plus means good. You guys have to just be called parking lots. <laughs> premium parking is the great value of the parking structure world. Yeah my parking garage it's not premium but it's worse <laughs> and i have to hit the button to call the guy and then the button like speaks to me and it's like you are calling somebody oh, right now god. but then it keeps doing that the entire time I'm t- so i'm like screaming over the robot that keeps <laughs> saying you are calling a parking attendant <laughs> i'm like i i swear to god i have a parking pass let me out Oh, because the gate won't go up. Yeah, oh, God. and then they just send you know Gomer Pyle out there to lift the gate. <laughs> I have to get like a broom so I can do it from my car without leaving. Anyway, <laughs> <coughs> Swin Cash tweeted at Premium Parking: We have been waiting for 45 minutes with two small kids for one of your workers to show up. They improperly booted our car because there is clearly a paid ticket on our dashboard, and now you won't send anyone unless we pay you $200. What is this? Welcome to town, baby. Swin, I'll tell you what it is. Nazi German. (laughs) (laughs) There's been... There were a couple of rude awakenings to uh, to New Orleans lifestyle. Uh, what's the Saints quarterback's name? Derek Cobb. Derek Carr. Yes, <laughs> yes, I've, I've heard of him. He got uh, he tweeted. He's like, my power's off. What happened? Yeah. And everyone's like, well, a bird landed on a power line. <laughs> Someone somewhere. let off
0: a balloon yeah. somewhere in Central City.
1: So this sucks, uh, Swin Cash. I hope that that you got out of that parking garage all right. (laughs) She followed this up, not them showing up saying, okay, you're right, but we still need $50 to take it off. This was at French Quarter Fest. Not a good look for the city. Uh, You know, Swin Cash is awesome. She's an incredible player. She's good on the Pelicans. And you would expect nothing less from the world of New Orleans parking. Is there any business that you can think of besides owning a professional sports
0: team apparently considering Daniel Snyder just sold the you know formerly uh, the Redskins for like six billion dollars is there any business with less incentive to do the job well than a parking lot they don't have it's not as if no one's gonna park there because they don't like the way the parking lot is run no one knows (laughs) until they run into this problem and even if they go back, there's really no choice other than to park in premium lots because they have like 80% of the market share.
1: Yeah, it's an incredible monopoly. It's up there with like Cox and Cox and Energy always get the most shit and deservedly so. But these parking places are horrible. There's never anyone there, or there's a guy acting like he works there, but he's really a heroin addict that lives in a porta potty <laughs> nearby. Saying that you have to pay him, and then your car gets booted anyway, which he's now sleeping in. It's just like, how can we charge exorbitant prices for uh, uh,
0: the world's most basic product—a slab of
1: concrete—and
0: provide zero service for it?
1: You would think a pre—when I think of a premium parking experience, I think of. Uh, Working lights, Mm -hmm. maybe like somebody to greet you, security watching your car. Those are premium parking features. Otherwise, your car just is stopped. (laughs) (laughs) Are you parked or is your car just not moving? The airport has a great lot because it gives you the
0: little light, whether it's red or green at the space as you're driving through. When you're in Texas, every single lot has that, but only the airport here (laughs) does it have that because every other lot is owned by premium or the Saints.
1: Well... Let's see this comes from w w l It's raining oil in parts of new orleans dot 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 we're all rich again. so this is a ongoing problem with the raining oil. This is from Paul murphy uh, Robocop, I believe <laughs>
0: Charlie's brother. <laughs> <laughs>
1: The less famous
0: of the Murphy brothers.
1: As part of WBL TV's Down the Drain series, we told you about oil droplets in the air coming from the direction of the New Orleans Sewage and Water Board's main plant in, Carrollton, in the Carrollton area. It's raining
0: oil! Hallelujah! It's raining oil!
1: This is how the Beverly Hillbillies started. <laughs> well, it's happening again and neighbors are complaining about the issue and the greasy residue it leaves on their property. Back on my boat, oil, what? Johnny Wilson said, I mean, oil on the shed in the backyard, oil on the shed in the front yard. There's oil everywhere, and we're just tired of it. This sounds like a man who doesn't appreciate a good thing. <laughs> you People are
0: killing each other for that oil. You don't just falling the, on your house.
1: The pandemic, we were fighting each other for oil and gasoline. You can cook with it. It does, I don't know. You scrape it off with your hand. Wilson, the man named after a volleyball, says the <laughs> droplets appear to fall every time the sewage and water board is forced to use Turbine 5. That's one of the century-old power generators that sends electricity to run the utility's drainage and water pumps. Sounds like you're bragging that you have a working pump. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, turbine five. We I don't have a turbine. This guy's got two. Turbine four's out of service. Well, I guess he's only got one. So they So they have no choice but to use the troubled T five, which all it does is soak a neighborhood in toxic oil. It's some
0: real end of days
1: stuff. Quit being babies.
0: <laughs> There's oil droplets falling on my head.
1: We're clearly not satisfied or happy with the situation, Corbin said. Uh, this is the uh, executive director of the sewage board. Uh, oh, Gossan Corbin, right? Yeah, yeah. He said they're not happy with the situation, but we don't have to live there, so fuck them. <laughs> I don't. That might not be a full quote. We know it's a concern for our neighbors, and we're doing everything we can to alleviate it and ultimately solve it. One of our solutions, bringing in the Tin Man from The Wizard of Oz.
0: (laughs) But hey, at least it's not an Airbnb. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Phew. Phew, the real scourge of the city. Thank God it's not the St. Rock Market. That would be horrible if there was another nice place for people to go to. Not covered in oil. I mean,
0: that is that story got like almost no play. And that is the ridiculous story.
1: I've never heard of people (laughs) with oil raining on people from a turbine anywhere. Mm. That doesn't exist. I don't think that's a thing that happens literally anywhere. Uh, I don't know if you remember my favorite movie There Will Be Blood Oh yeah The (laughs) beginning That's right I think that's kind of the beginning of There Will Be Blood Yeah There Will Be Oil There Will Be If you live in the Carrollton area There Will Not Be (laughs) Walgreens or whatever What is this Mayor Cantrell traveling to Washington, D.C. this week for conference. This is the story you're giving me? That's it. (laughs) Can you believe she's going to another conference? Yes. How many conferences? I think we should just talk about it every time she has to go to a conference. What do they do with these conferences? This conference is the annual African American Mayor's Association conference. The city said Tuesday, the series of meetings will take place April 19th through the 21st and will feature... Panel, discussions, and receptions for the theme of equitable and inclusive growth. Oh, good. If she's at this, how is she going to come to my comedy show on Sunday? (laughs) How is she going to stop the oil from raining on the people of
0: Carrollton? (laughs) Uh, That would be an emergency probably in most places. Uh, Here, it's just, eh, we'll get to it. Uh, I've got a conference I have to go to. I have to figure out how to equitably and... improve one person's life. Let's start there. Pick a guy, any guy, maybe a woman, whoever you want, improve their life. Just hand someone $100. That would be so much better than going to this conference. You will achieve nothing. You will spend a bunch of money, spend a bunch of the city's money. It will accomplish absolutely zero, and then you'll come back, and you'll have like some certificate that says, I went to the mayor's conference. Maybe all she, I got was this lousy T-shirt.
1: Well, if it's one of those, like I've been to some conferences and they usually give you like umbrellas, <laughs> you know, the, the cheapo sunglasses. Uh, Make sure you come back and dispense that stuff. True. And go, hey, use this to shield yourself from the oil.
0: <laughs> How many conferences a year does she go to? 20? Maybe. I, I don't I know. I guess it's better that she's not here.
1: Who's in the apartment? Yeah. Can it be me? Mr. Vappy?
0: <laughs> Vapping off?
1: What have we here? Oshner Health responds to Slut Me Out TikTok filmed by nurses in New Orleans Hospital. Is this some kind of chat GPT porno thing? What is happening? So a is bunch this of, a real story? Yeah, so a
0: bunch of uh, nurses on our floor at Oshner apparently made a. Uh, a TikTok video to a song about a a, a slut as the in the the, the the chorus it's not just a, a song about a girl who's easy it's the so it, it says it a lot they're all wearing their badges and it's extremely vulgar uh, lyrics and they're kind of pantomiming it out obviously in the middle of their work day as people are dying <laughs> all around them. And uh, and it uh, was
1: not a great look for the uh, the the biggest healthcare provider I believe in the state, certainly in the city. Five women and two men appeared in a 25 second video lip syncing the lyrics of the song, which describes various sexual acts. <laughs> the employees, seen wearing their Oshner scrubs and name tags, make obscene gestures with their hands and hospital equipment in what appears to be a patient room, a hospital hallway, and a nursing station. That's funny. I'm going to like eat a peanut and be dying in the ER and look up and see like five ladies doing a TikTok twerk. And I'm like, yeah, I, des- I deserve this.
0: They're all on the gurney just going by with their asses up in the air.
1: Like. They deserve it after COVID, right? <laughs> De- the lawn signs, these people are heroes. <laughs> they can pee pop all they want to, as far as I'm concerned. Just like, like You're sitting there covered in oil <laughs> you, going, where's you, my nurse? You're coming in with oil inside of your eyeballs from
0: having walked outside during the day that they turned a turbine on. And the nurse is too busy pantomiming the word "slot" into the camera over and over again in order to wipe your eyes with whatever chemical is required so that you can see again.
1: I don't film... Slut me out TikToks at work. I film like I'm in the Blair Witch Project at work. <laughs> I'm like, this is. I I just want to go home.
0: Can you please get me out of here, please? <laughs> That's a, just a great... I think it'd be funny no matter who it was that was doing it with like their official uniforms on. Like if, Obviously, if it was sewage and Waterboard, that would be great. I would really enjoy them doing the slut video. I think that'd be good. I'm trying to think of who else I would really
1: think it was funny. Maybe but, like those big fat cocks guys.
0: Yeah, yeah, like on the on the power
1: line up I should have put a comma in there yeah. somewhere.
0: <laughs> C-O-X. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Yeah, we were, uh, the energy people like in the middle of a hurricane when nobody has yeah. power and they're doing a TikTok video. But nurses inside of a hospital is way up the list of people that it is hilarious are doing vulgar TikTok videos with their uniforms on.
1: Well, it's an essential dance. <laughs> Thank
0: you, everyone, for listening. We do appreciate each and every one of you. Please email polkandcush at gmail.com. And follow us on Twitter at Polk and Kush. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We'll be back next week with another episode of Polk and
1: Kush. See ya!